الله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله Verily the praise belongs to Allah We praise Him, seek His assistance and forgiveness And we seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves And the evil consequences of our deeds Whoever Allah guides, there is no one that can lead him astray And whoever Allah leads astray, there is no one that can guide him I bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone And that He has no partners or associates And I bear witness that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is his slave servant and his messenger. This evening, bi-idhanillahi ta'ala, we would like to continue with the review of the lectures previously taken from the Aqeedah of Ahl al-Sunnah wal-Jama'ah or the Aqeedah of Al-Imam Ibn Abi Zayd rahimahullah uh, by quickly reviewing the text that we have covered along with uh, the questions that came with each handout. The first paragraph that we will discuss this evening is point number six or paragraph number six where Al-Imam Ibn Abi Zayd rahimahullah mentioned from amongst those things that it is obligatory to have a firm conviction in and to pronounce on the tongue and to act in accordance with it. It is وَالْإِيمَانُ بِالْقَدْرِ خيره وشره حلوه ومره يعني it is also required that the Muslim have iman or faith in al-qadr the divine decree خيره وشره it's good and it's evil حلوه ومره it's sweet and it's bitter وكل ذلك قد قدره الله ربنا ومقادر أمور الأمور بيده ومصدرها And he likewise, he says that all of this, what Allah has decreed, whether it is good or evil, or sweet or bitter, all of it, it is that which was pre-decreed by Allah. All of it has been pre-decreed by Allah, our Lord. And the maqadir of the umur, the maqadir, the measures of all matters, of all things, are in his hands. And its source, the source of whatever Allah has decreed, And what he has executed, all of it is from his qada, the execution, uh, Allah's execution of what he decrees. This is the beginning of the topic here of al-qadr al-qada and the matters related to it. And then he goes on to say <coughs> concerning that which is related to al-ilm and its relation to the divine decree. عَلِمَ كُلَّ شَيْءٍ قَبْلَ قَوْنِهِ That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knew everything before its existence, yani before He brought it into, into existence. فَجَرَى عَلَى قَدْرِهِ And everything happened or came to pass in accordance with His qadr, in accordance with what He has decreed. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knew everything before it happened, and everything happened. It comes to pass as He has pre-decreed it. لَا يَكُونُ مِنْ عِبَادِهِ قَوْلٌ وَلَا عَمَلٌ إِلَّا وَقَدْ قَضَاهُ وَثَبَكَ عِلْمُهُ بِهِ Yani nothing happens or nothing takes place from the servants of Allah whether it is speech or action 
except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He is the one who has executed it. He is the one who has brought it into being or allowed it to happen. And that thing which He has caused to happen, uh, it is preceded by the knowledge of Allah. Yani, that Allah, even before He executed it, even before He brought it into being, He had knowledge of it. And then He mentioned the verse from Quran, from Surah Al-Mulk, chapter 67, verse 14, أَلَا يَعْلَمُ مَنْ خَلَقُ وَهُوَ اللَّطِيفُ الْخَبِيرُ يعني that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He is, does He not know? Does He who created not know? يعني since Allah is the creator is it possible that He doesn't know something about His creatures? أَلَا يَعْلَمُ مَنْ خَلَقُ The one who created does He not know? وَهُوَ اللَّطِيفُ الْخَبِيرُ He is the most kind and the all aware of everything. This is point number six or paragraph number six. And before looking at the questions, we'll also look at paragraph number seven because the questions for these two sections came together. Uh, the second paragraph, number seven, Al-Imam Ibn Abi Zayd, rahimahullah, continues the discussion of matters related to Al-Qadr wa Qadr. And he said, يُضِلُّ مَنْ يَشَاءَ فَيَخْذُلُهُ بِعَدْلِهِ وَيَحْدِ مَنْ يَشَاءَ فَيُوَفِّقُهُ بِفَضْلِهِ That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, يُضِلُّ, he leads astray whomever he will. Whomever he will, uh, by his justice, in accordance with that which is just, not unfairly or unjustly. And he guides whomever he will, and he causes that one to be successful. He gives him the tawfiq, uh, that is, he, he, he allows him yani, to follow the right way, or he guides him to the right way. And that is his bounty and his favor, that is the favor of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, and everyone, whether it is the one who is guided by Allah or the one who is abandoned by Allah due to justice, all of it, every one of them, their way is made easy. It is facilitated by the facility of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he will reach the destination that Allah has decreed for him. بِتَيْسِيرِهِ إِلَى مَا سَبَقَ مِنْ عِلْمِهِ That everyone will be, it will be made easy for him by the facility of Allah to reach that which has preceded in the knowledge of Allah. وَقَدْرِهِ وَقَدْرِهِ مِنْ يعني what is in, from the knowledge of Allah and what he has pre-decreed مِنْ شَقِيٍ أَوْ سَعِيدٍ Whether that person will be of the wretched or the unfortunate and the people of hellfire or well he will be whether he will be of those who are fortunate the people of paradise. فَعَلَى اللَّهِ يَكُونَ فِي مُلْقِهِ مَا لَا يُرِيدٍ Allah is far removed and high above the possibility that anything can take place or happen in His kingdom, in His sovereignty that He doesn't want, that He doesn't intend to happen. Nothing happens outside of the irada of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. أَوْ يَكُونُ لِأَحَدٍ أَنْهُ غِنَى and it is also impossible, it is not possible that anyone can be free of need of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. خَالِقًا لِكُلِّ شَيْءٍ He is the creator of everything. أَلَا هُوَ رَبُّ الْعِبَادِ وَرَبُّ أَعْمَالِهِمْ وَالْمُقَدِّرَ لِحَرَكَاتِهِمْ وَآجَالِهِمْ According to some of the uh, scripts of this book, yani the wording is slightly different here. In some of them it says that he is the creator of everything and some of them said that it is not possible that there could be a creator of, yani of anything other than Allah except him, except him. He is the Lord of the servants, the creatures and he is also 
uh, the one who controls their actions or their deeds and he is the one who measures and determines their movements as well as uh, their lifespan. This is yani, the end of this uh, paragraph. Uh, to look at the question here so that yani, what has been mentioned here in the text as well as what we have discussed in the Sharh so that it will become clear. We have placed these questions and inshallah the questions clarify yani, that which we have briefly uh, read through. The first question explain what is meant by al-iman in al-qadr khayrihi wa sharrihi. Explain what is meant by al-iman in al-qadr khayrihi wa sharrihi. First we said that al-iman it is that and this is one of the definitions of the scholars. This is the definition that Shaykh Muhammad ibn Salih Uthaymeen has given. He said the meaning of al-iman in qadr in al-qadr and al-qadr it is that a person believes that everything in existence, whether or everything in the universe, min mawjudat wa ma'adumat, whether it is that which is present or that which is non-existent, amatan wa khafatan, the general things as well as the particulars of everything, it is to believe that everything in the universe, fa'innahu bimashiyatillah, that it is in existence or not in existence by the will of Allah and by His creation. And then he said also from the saying, that clarify the meaning of Qadr al-Qadr that we must know that whatever has afflicted you that it could not pass you by and whatever has passed you by it could not have afflicted you the Iman in al-Qadr al-Qadr it is one of the fundamentals or one of the six pillars of faith uh, <coughs> and it is to believe that whatever happens whether it is good or bad or whether it is pleasant or unpleasant then it is Allah who has decreed it, pre-decreed it, and it is Allah who has brought it into existence, allowed it to happen. All of it, the good and the bad, it is pre-decreed by Allah. As some of the scholars said, whatever Allah wills will be, and whatever He does not will will not be. And all of this has been pre-decreed before Allah created the heavens and the earth 50, by 50,000 years. And Qadr al-Qadr, the Iman and Qadr al-Qadr has four aspects which we will touch on in, in the following question. Discuss the difference between Al-Qadr and Al-Qadr. What is the difference between these two words? Each of them contains the meaning of the other when one of them is used individually to the exclusion of the other. If either of these expressions is used, then it includes the meaning of the other. But when they are uh, mentioned together, when they are mentioned together, then the meaning of Al-Qadr, it is that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knew and he decreed it before he created it before the creation of the heavens and the earth and al-qadha it means that which Allah caused to come into existence from what he has pre-decreed yani al-qadr it means the pre-decree and al-qadha means the execution or the bringing into being of what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has pre-decreed define or discuss the difference between al-irada al-khawniya and al-irada al-shara'iya. Uh, these two expressions are used by the scholars of the people of Sunnah to explain the confusion that some people have uh, concerning issues related to the divine decree and how 
something which is evil or something which is not good, how Allah can will it to happen or allow it to happen. So when the texts of Quran and Sunnah have been examined carefully, we find that the will of Allah, his irada or his mashia, the will of Allah, it is of two types, al-irad. That is, it is Allah's will. And it is like the saying of Allah, فَمَنْ يُرِدِ اللَّهِ يَهْدِيَهُ يَشْرَى صَدْرَهُ لِلْإِسْلَامِ That whoever Allah wills for him to be guided, then he opens his heart or opens his chest towards Islam. That means that when Allah wills something to be, when he wants it to be, then he causes it to happen. الْإِرَادَةِ الشَّرْعِيَةِ That is, it is the one that has the meaning of المحبة. It is that which Allah loves, that which Allah legislated and that which he loves. It is only from that which he is pleased with and that which he loves. And this is similar to the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah An-Nisa chapter 4 verse 27 Allahu yuridu ayyatuba alaykum That Allah will to turn to you in repentance. It means that Allah has legislated this and Allah loves this and Allah is pleased that he turn to you in repentance. Yani accepting your repentance. Turn to you and accepting your repentance. So the difference between these two al-qawniya and al-shari'iyya, al-irada al-qawniya, it is that which must happen. If Allah wills it, it has to happen. Uh, but it is not necessarily from that which Allah loves. It may be what He loves and is pleased with or it may not be. The point is that al-irada al-qawniya is that thing when Allah wills it, it has to happen. As for al-irada al-shari'iyya, it is not of a necessity that it has to happen. But what is of necessity is that it is only from those things which Allah loves and is pleased with. So the difference between them is that al-irada al-qawniya is that which must, must happen as opposed to al-irada al-shari'iyya, it may or may not happen. While al-irada al-shari'iyya is only of those things that Allah loves and is pleased with and the opposite with Al-Irada Al-Qawniya, it may be something that Allah is pleased with or not. Mention and explain the four levels or degrees of Al-Iman Bil-Qadr, the faith in divine decree. The four levels of Al-Iman and qadr it is Al-Iman, it is believing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows everything in general and the details of it. He had this in his knowledge previously even before he created the heavens and earth. The second of them is that Allah has written in the preserved tablet, Allah Al-Mahfuz, the measures of everything before they came into existence. The third of them is that there is nothing in the heavens or on the earth except that it is uh, subject to the will of Allah, that it has to uh, be subject to what Allah wills. Nothing can happen outside of His will. And number four is that everything in the heavens and the earth that exists it is part of the creation of Allah. There is no creator there is no creator other than Allah. So the four degrees, they are knowledge that Allah knew everything and the writing or recording that Allah has had everything recorded and the will of Allah that everything is subjected to it and that whatever exists is the creation of Allah whether it is the creatures or the actions or their characteristics or descriptions. What is the hukum shari'i concerning one who denies only one of the levels of al-iman bil-qadr? Yani if somebody denies one of the four levels of al-iman bil-qadr said that uh, since the levels of Al-Qadr al are four and all of them are of necessity, whoever disbelieves in one of them, 
then he has disbelieved in Al-Qadr. And whoever disbelieves in Al-Qadr, then that person is a disbeliever in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mention the two deviations or deviant groups related to Al-Iman, Al-Iman Bil-Qadr. One of them is Al-Jabariya. They are those who say that the human beings are forced to do whatever they do. And that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he doesn't have any role to play. His irada doesn't, uh, or that the Jabariya say that the human being has no choice in his actions. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who controls him and forces him to do what he does. As for the Qadariya, there are those who say that the human being is independent in his actions and that Allah, it is not subject to Allah's will nor to Allah's power but the human being does whatever he will. And both of these are extreme deviations and the correct opinion of the people of Sunnah is between them that the human being does have free will however his free will is limited and subject to the will of Allah. How can we explain the statement that he Allah yudillu or leads astray whomever he wills and abandons him due to his justice? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala leads astray whomever he wills due to his justice. It means the putting, yani justice means putting something in its proper place. And when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had knowledge of his creatures and he had decreed what they were going to do, then whoever from amongst them, from amongst the creatures, chose misguidance to, to follow the path of misguidance and to disobey Allah, as a result of that, justly, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala increases them in their misguidance and facilitates for them the means or the ways of their going astray. And this is indeed justice because here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has placed the misguidance in the place where it belongs. Yani he placed it upon the one who seeks misguidance. And this is mentioned in a number of places in the Quran and amongst them is the saying of Allah وَإِذْ قَالَ مُوسَى لِقَوْمِهِ يَا قَوْمِ لِمَا تُعْذُونَنِي وَقَدْ تَعْلَمُونَ أَنِّي رَسُولُ اللَّهِ فَلَمَّا ذَاغُوا أَذَاغُوا اللَّهُ قُلُوبَهُمْ وَاللَّهُ لَا يَحْدِ الْقَوْمِ الْفَاسِقِينَ in the end of this ayat it said, فَلَمَّا زَاغُوا When they went astray, when they themselves turned astray, then Allah turned their hearts to that which they have turned. Allah caused them to go astray. After they themselves have turned away, and Allah does not guide the wrongdoing people. Number eight, if everyone is facilitated by Allah to fulfill what he has, decreed, has pre-decreed as to whether he will be shaqi wretched or sa'id, happy or fortunate, why should anyone strive in doing good deeds? This is one of the issues that is also confusing to many people concerning the belief in al-qadr wa qadr that if Allah has pre-decreed everything, whether or not a person will be of the people of paradise or the hellfire, then why should they strive and work hard in doing good deeds? It is because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has ordered us to do good deeds. And he has promised those who believe and do good deeds that he would place them or admit them into gardens underneath which rivers flow. Yani Allah has promised the reward for those who do good deeds. And also the Prophet ﷺ, he has said concerning this matter, That everyone should work, should strive to do good, and everyone it will everyone it will be made easy for everyone to do that which he has been created for. Yani to reach the destination that 
he has been created to reach. So that it is clear then that nobody, since no one knows what is their pre-decreed destination, then everyone should obey the order of Allah and should follow the instruction of the Prophet ﷺ and try to do good deeds in the hope that what has been pre-decreed for them is good and whoever strives for good, then Allah facilitates and makes easy for them the doing of good. Does anything happen in this world contrary to Allah's will? Contrary to Allah's irada or mashia? Explain. First we say that nothing, indeed nothing happens in this world contrary to Allah's will. As Al-Imam ibn Abi Zayd said in the text of his book, that Allah is far removed from there, from the possibility of there being anything in his kingdom that he does not will. How can it happen that something uh, should take place in the kingdom under the sovereignty of Allah that is contrary to Allah's will? Well, Allah is the creator of everything and he has power over everything and he is the one who does whatever he will. So it is not possible to imagine that something can happen contrary what Allah wills while He is the Creator and His power over everything. As the scholars of Sunnah said, MashaAllah kana wa ma lam yasha lam yakun. That whatever Allah wills, it happens, it will be. And whatever Allah does not will, it will never be. The final question explains the statement Allah is the Creator of the creatures and whatever they do. Yani, Allah is the Creator of the creatures and the Creator of their actions. How can Allah be the creator of the action of the creature and then the creature is responsible for the action? We say that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has pre-decreed all of it. The existence of the creatures and whatever they would do. Allah has pre-decreed it and He has written it. And He is the one who willed it to happen in His irada al-khawniyah that requires that what He wills must happen. He is the one who created it or brought it into existence by His power and in accordance with His knowledge and His wisdom. So we say that the explanation of this is that since the action of the human being is from his sifat or his characteristics and the sifat or the characteristics of the creatures are part of Allah's creation and since the actions of the human beings are a result of their will, their irada and their ability or their power, their qudra. And both of these are created by Allah. The will of the human being, through which he wills to do whatever he wills, and his power to execute his will, are both created by Allah. Therefore, since both of these factors are created by Allah, then we say that Allah is the creator of the result of them. However, this doesn't mean that if Allah is the creator, of the actions of the human being, that the human being is not responsible because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has ordered the human being to do good and to avoid evil and he has sent prophets and messengers and revelations to teach the people that which is good, what is pleasing to him and what is displeasing to him and he has promised those who do good his reward and those who disobey punishment and he has given the human being the ability to choose between right and wrong and therefore hold the human being responsible for their actions. So from, from the perspective of creation, that Allah is the one who created the human beings and their creatures, their will and their ability to act, then we say that Allah is the creator of their actions. But from the perspective of the human being being responsible for their actions, Allah giving them the ability to choose and to know right from wrong, then we say the human being is the actual doer of his actions 
and is therefore responsible for them. Uh, the next paragraph, or the next point, that was in lecture number six, which was joined to point number nine and point number ten, point number eight, nine, and ten, uh, deals with the prophets and the reason for the sending of messengers. And Al-Imam Ibn Abdi Zayd tells us, Rahimahullah, that of those things that are required to believe in, is Al-Ba'ithu Ar-Rasoola. إليهم لإقامة الحج عليهم ثم قطم الرسالة والنذارة والنبوة بمحمد نبيه صلى الله عليه وسلم فجعله آخر المرسلين بشيرا ونذيرا وداعيا إلى الله بإذنه وصراجا منيرا وأنزل عليه كتابه الحكيم وشرع به دينه القويم وهذا به الصراط المستقيم that it is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who missions or sends the prophets and messengers to various nations. It is Allah who has sent the messengers to the nations for the very purpose of establishing the proof against them. The proof يعني, meaning that they knew what was right and they knew that was wrong, what was wrong and therefore responsible for the action. After this, he said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sealed the risala, the sending of messengers, and an nidara the sending of warners, and an nubuwa the sending of prophets, with the missioning of his prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa He has made him the last of his messengers, akhirun mursaleen. There is no, the last meaning the final, that there is no one to come after him. Not the last, any the last one to come and maybe there will come another, but the final after whom no other prophet or messenger has come. And then he described him with the descriptions that came in the Qur'an for the Prophet Muhammad wasallam, that he is Bashiran, the one who came to give the good news, and Nadiran, the warner against those who do evil, and that he is an inviter or caller to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by his permission, and that he is a lighted lamp, yani that shows the way, and that he has revealed to him his wise book, and he has legislated by him his straight or correct or upright religion, and he has guided yani the people through him or by him by the Prophet Muhammad to As-Sirat al-Mustaqeem the straight path yani the path of those whom Allah's favor is upon that is the Prophet and the righteous and the martyrs uh, as mentioned in the Quran and the truthful uh, in point number nine He talked about the hour of judgment and the resurrection of the people briefly. He said, وَأَنَّ السَّاعَةَ آتِيَةٌ لَرَيْبَ فِيهَا That indeed the hour is coming, meaning the hour of judgment, there is no doubt about it. وَأَنَّ اللَّهَ يَبْعَثُ مَنْ يَمُوتُ كَمَا بَدَعَهُمْ يَعُودُونَ That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will indeed resurrect whoever has died. Whoever dies would indeed be resurrected. He will resurrect them, bring them back to life just as he has, and he brought them into being in the beginning, just as he has, and he brought them into existence the first time on the day of judgment, he will give life again, and to those who have died. In the last paragraph, also he has talked about matters related to Yom Qiyamah, of those things that we are required to believe in, وَأَنَّ اللَّهَ سُبْحَانَهُ ضَعَفَ لِعِبَادِهِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ الْحَسَنَاتِ That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he has multiplied the hasanat, the reward for good deeds for his believing servants. 
And he pardons and overlooks. He pardons and overlooks them. Uh, he pardons and overlooks his the servants. Kabair say at him their major sin by means of tawbah. وَغَفْرَ لَهُمْ الصَّغَائِرِ بِإِجْتِنَابِ الْكَبَائِرِ And he has also forgiven them their minor sins by, by their avoidance of major sins. وَجَعَلَ مَنْ لَمْ يَتُوبْ مِنَ الْكَبَائِرِ صَائِرًا إِلَى مَشِيَتِهِ And he has made the condition of the one who does not repent from his major sins and who dies without repenting he has made that one to be subjected to يعني on يوم القيامة the Mashiach or the will of Allah. And then he quoted from Surah An-Nisa, chapter 4, verse 48, إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَغْفِرُ أَنْ يُشْرَكَ بِهِ وَيَغْفِرُ مَا دُونَ ذَلِكَ لِمَنْ يَشَاءَ That verily Allah, verily Allah does not forgive that shirk association should be made with him, between him and any of his creatures. And he forgives whatever is less than that to whomever he wills. Uh, here, Al-Imam Ibn Abi Zayd has mentioned a point which is the opinion of the majority of scholars of Jamhur that major sins can only be removed by tawbah while the minor sins might be removed through other means such as the mere avoidance of major sins and this is the point that as we mentioned in the original lecture uh, that there's difference of opinion about and there are those scholars who hold that even the major sins might be removed as it has been mentioned in some authentic hadith Certain deeds, if a person does them, Allah forgives all of their sins. And there's no distinction, there is no mention of a distinction between whether they are major sins or minor sins. And Allah knows that. Uh, the first question from these sections, what is the purpose for which Allah has missioned our rusul, the messengers? As Al-Imam Ibn Abi Zayd mentioned, rahimahullah, in the text of his book or his essay, he said that Allah has sent the messengers for the purpose of establishing the proof Establishing the proof, the hujjah against the nation. And this is so that they would not have any excuse. They would not uh, be able to say that we didn't know or it wasn't clear. But the sending of the prophets and messengers is a proof against anyone so that no one will be able to make an excuse. And this is mentioned in Surah An-Nisa, chapter 4, verse 165. That they have been sent messengers as those who give news, the good news, to those who do good and obey Allah and warning against those who do evil and disobey Allah so that there would not be any hujjah or any proof or any argument for the people after the prophets and messengers have been sent. And after the prophets and messengers have been sent and they clarified the issues, then those who disobey it is only due to pride and stubbornness. What is the hukum shari legal ruling concerning the one who claims and nubuwa, prophethood for himself or for someone else after the missioning of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa Everyone who claims prophethood, whether for theirself or for someone else, after the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa that person has disbelieved and gone out of Islam. And that is because they have denied the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Ahzab, chapter 33, verse 40. Muhammadun. أَبَا أَحَدٍ مِنْ رِجَالِكُمْ وَلَكِنْ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ وَقَاتَمَ النَّبِيِّينَ وَكَانَ اللَّهُ بِكُلِّ شَيْءٍ عَلِيمًا That the Prophet Muhammad he was not the father of any of your men 
but he is the messenger of Allah he is the seal of the prophet that means there is no prophet to come after him whoever claims it they have denied the Quran and have fallen into disbelief explain the basis of or the reasoning behind this ruling any the reason for this ruling that a person goes out of Islam uh, for such a statement it is uh, for claiming prophethood for themselves or someone else it is because it is contradictory to the saying of Allah and whoever denies this ayat or even any ayat one ayat from the book of Allah whoever denies it they have denied the Quran and whoever denies anything in the Quran has disbelieved in Allah mention some of the sifat or descriptions of the Prophet ﷺ mentioned in this section and he has been mentioned as a shahid the one who bears witness yani against the people by delivering the message and he has also been mentioned as Bashir yani the one who gives the, new, the good news that those who obey Allah and his messenger would into paradise and Nadir the warner who warns those who disobey of the fire and as they call it to Allah by his permission yani he has been missioned by Allah and as a siraj munir a clear light or a bright lamp which through which the way is made clear to whom was the prophet Muhammad sallallahu sent to announce the good news or give glad tidings the messenger Muhammad sallallahu has been sent to give the good news to those who obey him who believe in him and who do good deeds that they will have the paradise and the verses concerning this are many the good news that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned for those who obey have been mentioned in many throughout the Quran innumerable verses and the Prophet sallallahu in an authentic hadith said clearly that all of my ummah every member of my ummah would enter the paradise except the one who refuses and they said who would refuse O Messenger of Allah he said men a'afani dakhal al-jannah wa men a'afani faqad aba whoever obeys me and that one has entered the paradise whoever disobeys me that is the one who refuses and who refuses to enter the paradise so it is obedience to the Prophet ﷺ which means obedience to Allah because Allah has ordered us to obey him obedience to Allah and his messenger believing in that which he has come with and following and acting in accordance with that message explain the importance of belief in the coming of the Sa'a the hour of judgment and the belief or the iman in the Sa'a the, the last day or the day of judgment it is a pillar of the pillars of Iman and a person's Iman is not complete without it the person's Iman a Muslim's Iman is not complete is not correct without believing in the pillars of Iman and this is one of the pillars the foundation of Al-Iman whoever believes in it, it is an encouragement for the true believer who knows that it is true it is an encouragement for that person who knows that he will meet Allah and he will be taken to account to do good deeds and to avoid sinful deeds. What is the hukum shari, the legal ruling concerning one who disbelieves in the coming of the hour? Yani the ruling concerning the one who disbelieves in the hour of judgment, the day of judgment, and that which is related to it, the taking of account and the reward and punishment, that per- is that that person is a disbeliever, a kafir who has gone totally out of Islam uh, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes in many places in the Quran from amongst them Al-Taghabun chapter 64 verse 7 describes those who disbelieve in the resurrection who deny it he describes them 
as kafirs, as disbelievers. Mention some of the essential aspects of the faith, of the belief in the Yawm al-Akhir, the last day. From amongst the matters related to the belief in Yawm al-Akhir, or the last day, is the belief that the dead will be resurrected from their graves, physically as well as spiritually. Physically as well as spiritually, the bodies will be resurrected, not only the soul. And that all of the people would be paraded or displayed in front of Allah for accounting. And that accounting would be taken by their deeds or their records or themselves being weighed in the scale, the mizan. And that people would be rewarded or punished according to their deeds. And that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would come on that day with the angels. And that the believers would see Allah in reality on that day. How can one erase al-kabair, the major sins? According to the majority of scholars, the removal of major sins is through sincere repentance. The majority of scholars hold that major sins cannot be removed except by the person repenting before their death. However, some of the scholars held the opinion that there are some deeds which have been mentioned authentically by the Prophet ﷺ which remove sins in general without any distinction between whether or not it is major or minor sin, and based on this, the second opinion of the scholars is that uh, major sins might be removed by tawbah as well as by the doing of certain deeds that have been reported from the Prophet ﷺ as a means to remove sins in general. Number 10, mention some of the means by which sagha'ir, the minor sins, may be removed. Uh, the means by which minor sins may be removed are many. From amongst them, that which is mentioned in the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, reported by Imam Muslim, rahimahullah, as-salatu al-khamsu wal-jum'atu ila al-jum'ati wa ramadhan ila ramadhan kafaratun lima baynahuma iza jtunibat al-kabayat That the five prayers of the day, as long as a person avoids major sins, then it is a mean, it is a kafara, a removal, a means of removal of their sins. Likewise, the performance of the Juma prayer from one week to another is a means of removing one sin. And Ramadan, the fasting of one Ramadan to the next is a kafara, a removal of that which is between them as long as a person avoids the major sin. Likewise, Al-Umrah, performing Umrah from one to another, and the Hajj al mabrur the accepted Hajj, is a means of removal of sins. The Prophet said that there is no reward for the accepted Hajj except the Jannah, that a person would definitely into the paradise, and even the avoidance of major sins, it in and of itself is a means of removing sins, as well as a, per- a person who is patient in the face of calamities is a means of uh, erasing their sins, and the doing of good deeds in general, as the Prophet said, that good deeds, or as Allah said in the Quran, that good deeds remove uh, uh, sins, and likewise the Prophet said in the authentic hadith that whoever does good deeds, that a person should, if a person does, commits a sin, they should follow it by good deeds because good deeds remove evil deeds. Discuss the condition of those who do not repent from their major sins before death. Uh, whoever doesn't repent from the kabair, major sins before death, then that person will be subject to the will of Allah on Yom Qiyamah. And this has been confirmed in a number of hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, from amongst them is the hadith reported by Al-Bukhari, that whoever has committed something of the sin, then Allah covers that person, then that person will be subject to Allah's will. If Allah wills, He will pardon him, 
and if he will to punish him yani justly yani the person who has committed major sins for which they have not repented before their death and Allah has covered them up meaning they have not been punished in this world for them and likewise they have not repented then if Allah will he will forgive them out of his mercy and if he will he will punish them justly so it is the madhab of the people of sunnah that whoever dies having committed major sin for which they have not repented from uh, then they are subject to the will of Allah Allah may punish them if he wills or he may forgive them unlike the people who deviated who said that whoever dies with major sins they will be in the hell fire forever that is the mu'tazila uh, now the seventh uh, lecture point number 11 and 12 we took these two points in the seventh lecture the first of them deals with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala punishing people with the fire due to their sins and removing them due to their iman uh, the removal of people from the fire due to the iman and the removal of people from the fire due to the intercession of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam in point number 11 al imam ibn abi zaid he said wa man aqabahu allah bi narihi akhrajahu minha bi imanihi فَأَدْخَلَهُ بِهِ جَنَّتَهُ That whoever Allah punishes with his fire then he will also remove him from the fire due to his iman yani the, the believer who died committing sins which, from which he didn't repent and Allah punished him with the fire then due to his iman he would also be removed from that fire and he would be entered or admitted into the paradise into Allah's paradise due to his tawheed and his iman and he quoted here the saying of Allah فَمَنْ يَعْمَلْ مِثْقَالَ ذَرَّةٍ خَيْرَ يَرَى that whoever does the good deed that is equal to the weight of a dharra, a small ant of good, that small amount of good, then he will see it and he will see the reward for it, he will see the result of it so no one will be done and injustice if a person has sinned and they are punished for it likewise they will also receive the reward for their good that is the person who has died as a Muslim on Tawheed وَيُخْرِجُ مِنْهَا بِشَفَاعَةِ النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهِ وَسَلَّمَ مَنْ شَفَعَ لَهُ مِنْ أَهْلَ الْكَبَائِرِ and also that some that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will remove some of the people from the hellfire due to the intercession of the Prophet that is whoever he has interceded for from amongst those who committed major sins from his ummah uh, and the second point that is point number 12 that we took in that lecture together the question of the group also it is required to believe وَأَنَّ اللَّهُ سُبْحَانَهُ قَدْ خَلَقَ الْجَنَّةِ فعدها زار خلود لأوليائه وأقرمهم فيها بالنظر إلى وجه الكريم Also to believe that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created the paradise and he has prepared it as a permanent abode for his awliya يعني for the people of Iman and Taqwa and he has honored them in that paradise with a special honor and that is the looking to his noble faith seeing Allah's faith and then he said concerning that Jannah which he created previously it is already in existence he said وَهِيَ الَّتِي أَحْبَطَ مِنْهَا آدَمْ نَبِيَّهُ وَخَلِيفَتُهُ فِي أَرْضِهِ بِمَا سَبَقَ فِي سَابِتِ عِلْمِهِ and that is the same Jannah the same paradise from which uh, Adam السلام, was removed the Prophet his, يعني, the Prophet of Allah and his Khalifa in the earth the Khalifa in the earth who Allah has placed in the earth he has also that is the Jannah which he has been removed from and this is due to the knowledge of Allah which preceded وَخَلَقَ النَّارِ وَعَدَّهَا دَارَ خُلُودٍ لِمَنْ كَفَرَ بِهِ وَعَلْحَدَ فِي آيَاتِهِ وَخُدْبِهِ وَرُسُلِهِ وَجَعَلَهُمْ مَحْجُوبِينَ 
عن رؤيته. And he has also previously already created the hellfire, and he has prepared it as a permanent abode for those who disbelieve in him and for those who deviate uh, concerning his ayat, whether they are the ayat of Quran or the ayat in the creation, with those who deviate concerning them and his revelation and his messengers. And he has made those who disbelieve in him and who deviate in these matters, he has made them to be screened or to be veiled from seeing him, meaning on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. The questions related to this uh, lecture are these two points. The first of them, explain the aqidah of Ahl Sunnah concerning the final destination of Ahl Al-Kaba'ir, those who have committed major sins, if they have died on Tawheed. Yani what is the aqidah of Ahl Sunnah concerning those who died having committed major sins from which they didn't repent, if they have died as a Muslim on Tawheed, not having committed shirk, major shirk. And Imam Ibn Abi Zayd rahimahullah, says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would punish with his fire, yani, meaning punish those from amongst the believers, the Muslims, he would punish them for their sins and then he would remove them due to his, and if they died on Tawheed, is Jannah. The sinful Muslim, who Allah has punished with the fire as a reward for his sins, if Allah wills, He will remove him from the fire due to his iman and admit him into the paradise with the people of Tawheed. And it has been reported from the Prophet ﷺ that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala swore by his power and his majesty and his greatness and his supremacy that he would definitely remove from the fire من قال لا إله إلا الله نعم that is the promise of Allah that indeed whoever says sincerely with the conditions of La ilaha illallah being met whoever says so sincerely uh, that he would remove them from the fire even if they were punished due to some sins discuss the aqidah of al-khawarij and al-mu'tazila concerning al-ahl kabair yani the aqidah or the belief of these two groups amongst the Muslims concerning the people who committed major sins and died without repenting from it the khawarij said that the one who commits a major sin is a kafir, disbeliever, who will remain in the fire eternally. And if that person died without repenting, they said that he is a kafir in this world, and he would remain in the hellfire in the next life forever. As for the Mu'atazila, they said that the one who commits major sins is outside of Iman. And he is not a believer, however, he is no, nor is he a kafir. But he is fi manzilatin bayna manzilatain. He is in a station, or a status between two stations. And he is in between kufr and iman, neither being a kafir nor being a mu'min. However, as far as in the next life, they said he is to remain in the hellfire eternally, and he has the khawarij. So that, in the end, the result of their aqidah is the same. Both of them believe that whoever commits a major sin and dies without repenting from it, they will remain in the hellfire forever. And we reject this opinion based on that which is confirmed in the Qur'an and the Sunnah and the ijma' of the Salaf and the many hadith of the Prophet ﷺ in which it is reported that uh, the person would be removed from the fire whoever says La ilaha illallah and who has in his heart even the smallest amount of Iman. Mention two reasons for which the sinful Muslims will come out of the fire. Al-Imam Ibn Abi Zayd rahimahullah said that people would come out of the fire due to their Iman. If Allah punished someone in the fire, then he would also remove them from the fire due to their Iman. And he also said 
that Allah will remove people from the fire due to the shafa'a or the intercession of the Prophet sallallahu for whomever he intercedes for of his ummah. Uh, in the hadith concerning this also are many. The Prophet sallallahu said that he would be allowed to intercede and that he would intercede for whomever Allah willed and allowed even to the extent of the one who had only the amount of iman of a mustard seed. That person would also and the Prophet would also intercede for such a person if Allah allowed and will. Mention the various types of shifa or intercession proven by the Quran or Sunnah. Uh, we said that there are many types and some of the scholars have mentioned them as six and some have mentioned eight and there are other any secondary types of intercession. However, those which are mentioned by most of the scholars are that which is particular to the Prophet and that which is general for the Prophet and others from amongst that which is particular to the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, is the great intercession in which the people will be standing waiting for the judgment to begin and the Prophet would intercede with Allah requesting that he begin the judgment. The second of them is the intercession of the Prophet وسلم, for opening the doors of Jannah so that the people of Jannah would enter. The third of them is his intercession for some of the people of Jannah whose place in paradise or their degree in paradise would be raised beyond that which their deeds could justify. Number four, the intercession of the Prophet ﷺ for people who deserve due to their deeds to be punished in the hellfire and due to his intercession they would not enter the fire at all but they would enter the paradise without being punished. Ya Rahmatullah. Number five, his intercession uh, for his uncle Abu Talib who uh, whose punishment in the hellfire would be reduced and it would be less than what it could have been due to the intercession of the Prophet Wasallam. Uh, and also for those for other intercessions that have been mentioned that his intercession for those whose good deeds and evil deeds were equal interceding for them to enter the paradise uh, and for some people to enter the paradise without any account being taken of them and the general intercession, which is for the Prophet ﷺ and others, is the intercession for the people of Tawheed who committed major sins and who are punished by Allah in the hellfire that they be removed from it. And that is the general intercession for the Prophet ﷺ and others. Mention the shurud or conditions of al-shafa'ah intercession. The first of them is the, is the permission of Allah, Iznullah. Uh, that no one can intercede except by the permission of Allah. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in Surah Al-Baqarah chapter 2 verse 255, Who is it that can intercede with him except by his permission? The second condition is Rida Allah, the pleasure of Allah concerning the one who is interceding and the one for whom he is interceding. And this is mentioned in the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Anbiya chapter 21 verse 28 That no one will intercede or they will not intercede except for the one whom Allah is pleased with. And this includes both the one who intercedes as well as the one whom he is hoping to intercede for. As for the disbelievers, there is no shafa'ah for them. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned in Surah Al-Mudassir, chapter 74, verse 48, 
in reference to the kafir that even if someone tried to intercede for them it wouldn't benefit them who besides the Prophet Muhammad will be allowed to intercede for others on Yom Qiyamah the others who will be allowed to intercede are the prophets and the righteous from amongst the believers as well as the martyrs and the angels discuss the issue of whether the Jannah already exists or is to be created as Imam Ibn Abi Zayd mentioned in the text of his essay that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala قد خلق الجنة that he has already created the Jannah and he has prepared it as a permanent place for his awliya and likewise he has created the hellfire already and he has already prepared it as a permanent place for those who disbelieve in him and concerning the paradise in Surah Ali Imran chapter 3 verse 133 the saying of Allah that it has already been prepared for the people of Taqwa and concerning the fire the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Baqarah chapter 2 verse 24 that it has already been prepared for the disbelievers and this is the proof of the existence of the paradise and the hellfire right now number 8 uh, explain the verse from chapter 11 verse 108 verse 108 and those who are blessed will be in the paradise وَأَمَّا الَّذِينَ سُعِدُوا فَفِي الْجَنَّةِ خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا مَا دَامَتْ السَّمَوَاتُ وَالْأَرْضِ إِلَّا مَا شَاءَ رَبُّكُ أَطَاعًا غَيْرَ مَجْدُودٍ this verse and the meaning of it is that those who are blessed meaning the people of paradise uh, that they would remain in the paradise for as long as the existence of the heavens and the earth as long as they remain except illa ma sha'a except as your Lord will this is a gift from Allah and being in paradise is a gift from Allah without an end Shaykh Abdurrahman al-Sa'adi rahimahullah al-Safsiya of the verse similar to this preceding it verse 106 he said it is that they would remain in it forever except the period of time which Allah will that they would not be in it and this is the opinion of the majority of the scholars of Tafsir and the istisna or the exception here except as your Lord will it means that the time that they would not be in the paradise or in the previous ayah the hellfire it is the time that they were not in the paradise yani before they entering it their life in this world before they entered the paradise that is the meaning of that they would be in it as long as the heavens and the earth earth endure except as your Lord wills the exception is the time of the life of the person in this world before entering the paradise otherwise once the person enters the paradise they will remain in it forever and never come out of it explain the verse of the Quran for those who have done good is al-husna the best and al-ziyada an extra reward that Allah will honor his servants with in the next life Surah Yunus chapter 10 verse 26 those who do good it means the people of iman and good deeds and the husna is the reward that they will receive that is the jannah and the ziyada it is looking at the noble face of Allah as it has been recorded in a number of hadith and among those hadith is the saying of the Prophet ﷺ reported by Bukhari إِنَّكُمْ سَتَرَوْنَ رَبَّكُمْ 
Ayana, that indeed you all will see your Lord with your eyes. Uh, and in other narration he said, Innakum satarawna rabbakum kama tarawna hadha al-qamar. And you will see your Lord just as you see this moon. And that was in the night, in the desert, in the middle of the month when there was a full moon. And you will have no difficulty in seeing him. And in the hadith of Suhaib, radiallahu anhu, he said that the Prophet وسلم, recited this very ayah. لِلَّذِينَ أَحْسَنُوا وَالْحُسْنَى وَالْزِيَادَةِ And after reciting it, he said that when the people of paradise enter the paradise, and when the people of hellfire enter the fire, then it will be called out, O people of Jannah. And in that hadith are the words that verily you have a mawid, an appointment with your Lord. And in the end of the hadith he said, فَيَكْشِفُ لَهُمْ الْحِجَابِ فَيَنظُرُونَ إِلَيْهِ Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would uncover the hijab, he would remove the hijab, the nur, that is his hijab, and they would actually look at Allah, they would look at him, they would see him. That hadith is important. Explain the meaning of al-ilhad. We'll stop here with this lecture. And explain the meaning of al-ilhad in reference to the ayat or the verses of the Book of Allah. Al-ilhad or deviation in reference to the ayat of the Book of Allah. Al-Imam Ibn Abi Zayd, he said that Allah has created the fire. And he has prepared it as a permanent place for those who disbelieve in him. وَأَلْحَدَ فِي آيَاتِهِ وَكُتْبِهِ وَرُسُلِهِ يعني And those who have deviated, who have performed or committed ilhad concerning the ayat of Allah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, وَالَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا وَكَذَّبُوا بِآيَاتِنَا أُولَٰئِكَ أَصْحَابُ النَّارِ خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا وَبِئْسَ الْمَصِيرِ For those who deny, يعني those who disbelieve and who deny our ayat, then they are the companions of the fire and by abiding in it forever. And likewise the saying of Allah, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يُلْحِدُونَ فِي آيَاتِنَا لَا يَقْخَوْنَ عَلَيْنَا That those who commit ilhad concerning the ayat of Allah, of Allah, they are not hidden from us, they are not unseen by us. As for the ilhad uh, that is mentioned here, it is of two types. One, it is the absolute outright negation of the ayats of Allah or the books of Allah, the messengers of Allah. All of them, or some of it, the outright negation of it, denial of it. Like those who believe in some of the book and disbelieve in other parts of it. And in negating it outright, whether in part or in whole, but negating it. The other ilhad is not negating it, denying it outright, but it is distortion of the ayat of Allah, whether in their wording or in their meaning. And in turning it away from its actual, obvious, apparent meaning. This ilhad is either by changing the words, the actual expression that's found in the Qur'an, like those who uh, distorted the Qur'an, the saying of Allah, وَكَلَّمَ اللَّهُ مُوسَى تَكْلِيمًا They changed the actual wording. So that the meaning, instead of its actual meaning that Allah spoke to Musa, السلام, they changed it, the words such that it would be twisted to mean that Musa spoke to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and their intention is to deny Allah's characteristic of speaking. Uh, instead of the wording being Kalam Allahu Musa, Allah being the speaker, they read it as Kalam Allaha Musa, Allah being the Maf'ulun Bi or the one who was spoken to. In this way, they attempted to deny the characteristic of Allah of speaking. Otherwise, the changing of the meanings of the words in the Quran or the ayats of the Quran, there are many, they have reinterpreted. Al-Yad, the hand, or Al-Wajj, the face, or Nuzul, descending or ascending, they have reinterpreted 
all of the verses concerning these things to deny them they have given them their own interpretation as for the saying of Allah uh, question number 11 uh, Al-Mufassifin chapter 83 verse 15 كَلَّا إِنَّهُمْ عَمْ رَبِّهِمْ يَوْمَ إِذٍ لَمَحْجُوبُونَ that surely they the evildoers will be veiled from seeing their Lord that day how is this ayat or this verse a dalil or a proof of the fact that Allah will be seen on the day of judgment and when it has been mentioned in this ayat the screening of the disbelievers from seeing Allah that they will be mahjubun on the day of judgment they will be screened or veiled from seeing Allah as a punishment for them for their sin or their kufr then this is an indication that the believers would see their Lord on Yawm Qiyamah a real seeing and in reality because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not uh, treat the believers as he treated the disbelievers he has punished the disbelievers by screening them from seeing him and therefore it is the reward of Allah for the believers and is that they will see him the last question describe how the ru'ya seeing of Allah on the day of resurrection will be and if the ru'ya or the seeing of Allah on Yom Qiyamah it would be a clear vision seeing Allah clearly as mentioned in the, in the hadith which we previously mentioned innakum tatarawna rabbakum that you would see Allah with your eyes and in the other hadith كَمَا تَرَوْنَ هَذَا الْقَمْرِ you would see your Lord just as you see the moon that is in the sky in the middle of the month full moon لَا تُضَامُونَ فِي رُؤْيَتِي you would have no difficulty in seeing him stop just a moment for the adhan inshallah after the adhan complete this question and if anyone has any questions after the adhan inshallah we'll take them Allah just to complete the last question uh, we said that the description of the ru'ya seeing Allah on Yom Qiyamah would be seeing with eyes Iyanan as the Prophet said in the hadith of Bukhari and he said it would be like you're seeing the moon you would not have any difficulty in seeing it as you see the full moon in the middle of the night in the desert in the middle of the month and here uh, we should remember that the comparison here is not between the two things that are seen the comparison here is not between the moon that you would see Allah as you see the moon there is no comparison between the moon and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because we cannot make any comparison between Allah and his creatures but the comparison here is between the way in which the clarity with which you would see the moon in the middle of the night in the middle of the month in the desert the comparison is between the clarity of seeing the moon at that time and the clarity with which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would be seen by the believers in Yom Qiyamah uh, and also from the description of how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would be seen in the hadith of Suhaid radiallahu anhu in the Sahih of Muslim in which he mentioned at the end of that hadith فَيَكْشِفُ لَهُمْ الْحِجَابِ فَيَنْظُرُونَ إِلَيْهِ that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would remove the hijab his nur, he would remove it and they would look, the people would look to Allah, they would look at Allah, that means they would be actually seeing Allah. This is the end of what we can cover here, inshallah. Maybe we can take five or ten minutes, uh, since we have stopped here without going to the next section that we intended to cover. Maybe we can take the time for any comments or any uh, corrections or any questions, inshallah. Keeping in mind 
and that these questions, inshallah, are the basis for the examination, except that, as I said before, the questions on the exam will be easier. Seeing Allah on Yawm Qiyamah, when the disbelievers are screened from seeing Allah, the believers will see Him. As for in the Jannah, then the believers will see Allah as much as He wills. Not on one occasion, but as Allah wills. No. And as, some of the, as the Prophet said in some of the hadith, that in Jannah, the believers seeing Allah, it would be the greatest joy that they would experience in Jannah. Uh, in the hadith of Suhaib, the, complete, the, the completeness of the hadith is that it is mentioned that when it was announced to the people of paradise that they have an appointment with their Lord, they said he has already made our deeds weighty and he has increased and multiplied our deeds so that we entered paradise and he has protected us and removed us far from the fire and he has given us whatever we enjoyed in the paradise and he, meaning what more is there for us to receive? And that was the meaning, that is the context of the hadith which expressed the meaning that the Prophet ﷺ intended by that hadith because he recited the verse لِلَّذِينَ أَحْسَنُوا الْحُسْنَ وَالزِّيَادَةِ Yani the husna was that they entered the paradise, all of that. But after that there was more, the ziyada. In the ziyada it was seeing Allah. So that the believers would see Allah on Yawm Qiyam and they would see Him in the Jannah as much as Allah wills. Naam. Regarding? Naam. Well, the application of al-irada al-kawniya and irada al-shara'iya concerning Adam alayhi salam uh, being removed from the paradise and uh, placed to live on earth, it is uh, number one that what has happened, his removal from the paradise, it is Allah, it is from Allah's irada kawniya. It is that which has to happen, whether it is what Allah loves and it's pleased with or not. It has to happen. So we understand that Allah willed it in His irada kawniya, in His universal will that this must happen. Allah, He intended for that to happen and it had to happen. So Adam is not to blame, alayhi for this because it is Allah's irada kawniya. Whatever He wills, it has to be. And whatever He does not will, it, does, it, it shall not be. On the other hand, we can also see from the side of al-irada al-shara'iya that Adam السلام, was removed from the paradise because he has disobeyed Allah. He has done that which he has been prohibited from. And that disobedience comes under al-irada al-shara'iyya. Yani what Allah has legislated and what Allah loves. It is from this. It might be followed or it may not be. So here, when anyone commits a sin, yani they engage in that which Allah has prohibited, then it is like our father Adam in Jannah and he has been prohibited from something and he has disobeyed, he has violated that prohibition that means he has done something which Allah doesn't will yani meaning it is from that which Allah doesn't love Allah doesn't love it he has done something which Allah doesn't love al-irada, al-shara'iya it is al-mahabba, that which Allah loves so when somebody does that which Allah doesn't love and if they violate that which Allah wants or wills in his irada sharia 
then we have to understand that nobody, no one can do something which Allah يعني, doesn't allow. And that is the distinction between these two divisions of the will of Allah. We have to know that there is a side of what Allah loves. But He doesn't force the person to do it. He legislates it. He orders us to do it. Or He prohibits us from something. And then we might follow His instruction or not. That is irada shari'a. The people might obey it or they might not. But as for his removal from the paradise, it is not from that. It is from al-irada al-qawniya. It is from that which Allah will to be and it has to be. For some wisdom. It is by Allah's wisdom that Adam salam was removed from the paradise. It is Allah's wisdom. And it is not something to blame Adam salam for. Now, it is only... Hmm. This is the Sahih Hadith. The Hadith is Sahih about the fact that Dua is the only thing that can change the Qadr. However, the explanation of this it is in consideration of the fact that there are different levels of Qadr. There is that which Allah has decreed, pre-decreed before the creation of the heavens and the earth in Allah al-Mahfuz. That is not changed by anything. And there is that which is decreed at the time when the person is in the womb of their mother. And when they are in the womb of their mother and the angel is ordered to write about their affairs. And there is the decree that is decreed every year that Allah sends down the decrees for that year. And there is the decree of every day that Allah decrees for that day. And this is from that which Allah has decreed for that day. Yani it is according to what Allah has made known to the angels of what will happen or will not happen in that day. And that can be changed. It will happen or it will not happen in accordance with what Allah has written in Lawh al-Mahfuz previously. The angels, they might see that a person, some calamity is going to befall them. As it has been written for that day, a calamity. Unless that person makes dua to Allah. So if they made that dua, they will be saved from it. And if they didn't, then it will befall them. How will it happen? It will happen according to what has been pre-decreed in Lawh al-Mahfuz. The angels, they don't know. They know that calamity is destined to befall them. However, with the condition that he does or doesn't do something. And Allah is the one who knows beforehand whether he w- that person will do it or not do it. And therefore, what will happen? If the calamity will befall him or not. So the dua, it averts the qadr of some calamity befalling them. But it doesn't change that which is already written. Because Allah already knows if they are going to make dua to avert it or they are not going to make dua. This is the meaning of it as the scholars have explained it from the people of Sunnah.